Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. So, we're in a season of the Lord opening up John 13 through 17. Um, and just that Luke 418 of an activation, right? We're in that season globally. Um, it kind of broke open before Pentecost. It, it broke open um, throughout the spring, and we're, we're walking in that. And that's an activation season, right? It's where Jesus got activated, and he, he went out and said, told everyone who he was, and then he began to do it. And that's us right now, yeah. right? And so we're in that season where the Lord is opening up these books for us to understand. And it's a tool to move us in this season of an end-time generation. It's a, it's a tool to know who we are. Um, it's, an, it's the armor of God that will help us to stand, right? Um, and the other day, um, my Rob and the guys were in South Dakota. And so that week, I knew I was going to have to have some backup for my lawn. And so I uh, called my dad, like, beforehand, and I said, Dad, can you come help me edge while I mow on this day when they're all gone? And um, so he did. And so I'm mowing with my dad. And um, I was doing the mower, and I just heard the Lord say, it's okay to celebrate the Father. And it's like I saw glitter and confetti coming down. And my dad turned 75 this week. So shout out to Bob Giese, 75 years old, quarter, uh, three-fourths of a century, this guy. And um, then it was Father's Day, too. And I, I'm seeing this confetti just constantly come down. And I'm like, Lord, I get it personally. And it's almost Father's Day. And then we're going to do that. And we're going to do these things. But like, what are you saying? And he says, I want you to talk about me. It's okay to celebrate me. I want you to talk about it. The more you talk about it, the more you'll understand. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do it then. Let's talk about it. So um, I want to start out today in Luke 24, 46 through 49. And this is about the promise of the Father, and it's Jesus talking to his disciples. And basically, whenever I read the word, I'm trying to put myself as if I was there, right? So I'm trying to imagine the situation, and they were in the context. They were in it, right? And sometimes we're in our life. We can't understand what's happening. So Jesus is basically giving them the storyline. Um, Luke 24, 46, it says, he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. So he's like telling them, I need you to connect the dots. I get it that this is your life, but I need you to see the bigger storyline. And he's telling that to us today, like, I need you to connect the dots here. I need you to be one that knows how to make connections in the context of your life, right? And so then he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high, right? So there's a promise of the Father, and it's the Holy Spirit. But it's also bigger than that as well. 
When, when we think about it, this is deep and wide and long, and the Lord invites us to come and see what that promise entails, right? And being a part of the family means you understand that you have a gift from the Father, and it's His promise, and it's the Holy Spirit, right? And we're going to talk about that today. Um, the storyline from the Father is really, really important. That promise part of the storyline is so important. You have to want it. You have to believe in it. You have to take that gift and unwrap it every day, right? And it's the Holy Spirit. You can't not believe in that or you can't not want that and think that you're going to be a part of this family that he's doing, right? It's his family. And if this is his promise, then we have to say yes to that promise, And we have to say, I want more of that. There's some brevity in this in this message today, but I also just it's it's also one of those messages that I want it to be applicable. Because we've been talking a lot about John 17 and being one with the Father. But it's like, how do I do that? So I want hopefully for you to walk away today with some some equipping. Um, along those lines and, and asking the Lord for more, asking the Lord for it. Um, if I, if you don't mind, can you just stand? Okay. We're going to ask the Lord because I was thinking, uh, with the Lord yesterday and he said, you can't give this to them. I want to let you off the hook, Lindsay. You're not going to be able to give this to them because all of you have a different story in God. All of you have a different history. All of you have a different earthly father. And so this comes by the spirit of revelation. This is so important because we're living at the end of the age. So it's, it's a tool. It's a strong love that you, you have to ask the Lord for, and he's going to give it to you. So let's open our hands and let's just ask, ask the Holy Spirit. Uh, Abba, We just cry out to you right now. We ask for this love, this strong love from the Father, from the very throne. Lord, would you rest on us with a spirit of revelation? Would you begin to hover over the waters of the hearts here? And would you begin to weave this truth, this strong love into the context of our life every day moving forward? Whatever the future brings, God, would you weave it into our life and would you let it release endurance, equipping, and joy unspeakable, limitlessness in our lives, God, that we would be those that mount up on wings of eagles in this season. And even in this next season in the fall, God, we would be mounting up and soaring limitlessness Break gravity right now off of our feet and let us begin to soar with you, Abba. Amen. Okay. So I got asked recently, um, you know, maybe a couple months ago, I was in this context of a certain context and somebody asked me, well, who's your coach? And in that context, I said, my father is my coach. Like it just came out of my mouth. 
I wasn't like thinking about it. And I said, my husband's my coach. And I said, my dad's my coach, my dad. Right? There's some amazing men in this house. There's some great women, but there's some amazing men. When I back up against these men, I feel the strength that they're walking in. That strong love, I can feel it from the men in this house. Right? I can feel that from my husband, right? He, I back up against him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can feel it, you know? And, and, and for the men in this house, that strength that you're walking in every day with the Lord, that abiding place, right? Us girls, we feel that and it makes us feel so safe and it makes us feel like we can do anything. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. I really am. And I knew, I knew the Lord had, was going to stamp this house with, with this dynamic, right? Um, I could see it begin, begin to happen, right, um, in the last few months. And so um, I really began to ask myself, am I allowing these um, guys to, to challenge me? Am I allowing the Heavenly Father to challenge me? Am I allowing him to push me into the things that he has for me? You know, whether it feels uncomfortable or it feels like a thumb on you, but the Father's love has some discipline to it, you know? And so I was asking that question and really asking the wise, when I read the word, you got to ask questions. I don't know how you read, but I'm always saying why. Um, what, what's the point? Of, what's the purpose of this? Why are you saying this? Um, and when we think about um, the cross, John 14, 31 says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. As the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Right? So one of the whys behind Jesus coming here, yeah, he saw us or he knew we were coming. Right? Firstborn of many brothers. He knew we were coming. But, but that the world may know that I love the Father. Right? There's an element of loyalty that Jesus had to the Father that he wanted to display to everyone. Right? And that, that's what I was feeling the Lord deposit in us today, that loyalty to the Father, loyalty that took Jesus to the cross. Right? That's one of the reasons he did it. Um, that, that could be the very real reason he did it. You know, um, I think sometimes that he saw us, I mean, he was probably seeing us through the generations and he knew we were there, but I mean, he was looking at Mary. He was looking at John while he was on the cross and he was hurting. And so there had to be something that was keeping him there. And that was loyalty to the father, right? Um, and so... Jesus let the Father coach him. He let the Father coach him. 
think about it because Jesus didn't have like a Billy Graham somewhere, like some mentor. There was the father that was coaching him through every scenario, right? So we're going to be talking about some essential questions. Here's the teacher happening right now. Um, Our essential questions today that we're going to be looking at is, are you familiar with your origin, right? Your identity in the father, where you were made. We're kind of singing about that today. Um, Number two, are you being coached by the father? How much direction are you able to receive from him? right? Because you can only do what you're able to receive, right? And then are you allowing the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to fully operate in your true identity, right? And then has the promise of the Father been released in your life? And what does that look like practically? Are you dialoguing with him? Are you gazing on him? Are you meditating on him? Are you ministering to him? Are you searching him out? Right, So these four things we're going to kind of talk about. Um, The first thing, are you familiar with your origin? Interesting question. Uh, And that's identity. We kind of talk about this. It becomes a little cliche points, my opinion. Um, You know, identity. Golly, it's so big in the culture right now. Um, But... The impact that even, you know, your earthly fathers, your DNA, um, just your safety, all of those different things, your blueprint kind of comes from your dad. Your bloodline is your dad. Um, John 14, 1 through 4. We're going to be a lot today in John 14. So if you just kind of hover there, you'll be able to see um, the things. And I'm reading out of the New King James. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Right? So a prepared place in the Father. Um, and I had to ask, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, is this sometime in the future or is this now? this prepared place that you have, and I think it's both, right? Um, It's that place of understanding that it's okay to express who you are in him, that you came out of his heart, and um, you came out of the very throne of God, which is weird. Is that not weird? Right? Right? You know, it's what Ezekiel saw. It's what Daniel saw. It's what John saw. It's what Stephen saw as he was being martyred, right? It was their order. It's where they were going. It's where they came from, right? And there's a giant debate, you know, all the time around Jesus and where he originated. Well, he came out of the heart of God from the throne of God. What does that look like? Well, it looks like a sardius stone, which is a red stone, right? It looks like an emerald rainbow. All these things are symbolic, but they're also real. It's an awareness of another realm that you came from, right? We think of ourselves as coming from the earth or like coming from our parents or, you know, um, I'm, Jesus is in me, so a new creation. But where did that originate, right? Where, where does that originate? From the Godhead 
but then from a throne, right? And out of that place, on that, in that throne are lightnings, thunderings, voices. There are living creatures flying around, staring at the Father, the Ancient of Days. You came from there. Does that seem weird? Right? There's a place in that fiery stone that you came out of his mind. Right? That you were in the design of history and to be in this generation right here, right now. Right? Where he came from. And this was like the big theological debate that was going on as he like walked around. Here's the thing. You got to start thinking about this. A lot of times we're orphans because of unbelief. You need to know where you came from. And you just ask the Lord to be aware. It's like an awareness. And then you gaze on it, like you see it in the word, and you're like, wow, like, Lord, show me my place here. Right? Um, that's a prepared place for you. Because it's been there at the beginning of time, and you can enter into it now by thinking about it. David said he loves to imagine things, right? Your imagination is from the Lord. And you can take what, you, what, what the scriptures describe as the, as the throne of God, and you can ask him to show you, you know? And I encourage you to do that because it, it's amazing what the Lord will show you by meditating on the truth, A lot of times we're not thinking about the truth. Um, Let's look at Daniel 7 real quick. Um, This is really interesting because a lot of times when people talk about identity in Christ, you start thinking self-help. You can't think identity in Christ and think self-help or think acting better, doing better, being pleasing to the Father. Identity in Christ is where you came from. Because if you realize where you came from, you will begin to act like that. Right? Jesus wasn't doing signs, wonders, and miracles out of self-help. Right? He was doing signs, wonders, and miracles because he came from the throne, and out of the throne is a lightning, thundering, and voice. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a power place. Right? You are not going to do the works if you think that it's going to come out of yourself. It's going to come out of the third dimension. <laughs> it's going to come out of a realm of the Father's house. Right? Now that realm is eventually going to come down, right? Mount Zion. It's going to come down to the earth, but right now, there is a throne, and out of that is the lightning thunderings of voices. That's the power of God, right? Let's look at it. Daniel 7, 9, it says, I watched till the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. This is him. This is, this is Big Papa. 
His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. Does that sound like self-help? Right? That doesn't sound like self-help to me. Self-help is not going to heal the man on the street. It won't. But this will. I need some power on this deal. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him and a thousand thousands ministered to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. This is the ancient of days. This is your dad. Then I was watching, this is verse 13. And in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. This is the firstborn son. This is your older brother. Getting the keys to the kingdom. Right? They're one, but this is Jesus. Right? His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. That's the strong love. Did you feel that? That Jesus got from the Father. It's not going away. You will back up against that until forever. Right? This is where you came from. This is the revelation that builds the church and that will sustain you in the last days. Okay? Um, John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he'll do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. That's you. He just said, you're my brothers and my sisters. You're going to do these works. Right? Um. 2,000 years later, this is our promise. Like these things are resonating through the ages and they're for you. This is the promise of the father, right? Um, This is the reality that will release those signs, wonders, and miracles, okay? Um, There's always gonna be a debate in your heart about loyalty to the Father, right? That's what the enemy tempted Jesus over, disloyalty. Will you make these stones bread? He had to make a choice if he was going to be loyal to his Father or if he was going to coach himself, right? You can coach yourself, right? But you have to make a choice to... Let the Father coach you, right? Um, you can read John chapter 8 on your own, but it's a giant debate about lineage. Did you come from Abraham? Are you the devil? He's like, no. You'll see, Jesus says, no, I come from the Father. 
My father is the father of lights. He was loyal to the father at all costs. He was listening. He was fellowshipping. He was dialoguing. That's what he was doing. Um, so question two, that's origin. Think about origin, right? Question two, are you being coached by the father and how much direction are you able to receive from the father? Right? This is the crux here, right? How are we going to let ourselves be coached? Right? Um, how, I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of like nerd stuff sometimes. Like nerd stuff is like you get online and you fall in rabbit trails about <laughs> Israel and stuff, you know? So I found this site and it's called the Holy Land site. And the Holy Land site is amazing. And I've never been to Israel before. So the Holy, Holy Land site is even more amazing. And this, the cool thing about this site is that you can be as if you're on a tour of Jerusalem, like live. And there's a, a pastor that's like a genius that, that talks to you about the things, right? The sites, right? And so I get wrapped up in these things because what I want to do is I want to picture myself there, right? Like at the time of Jesus, like I do these things. So um, I'm doing this and I'm seeing, uh, there's all these videos you can watch like Sea of Galilee and things. And I, I've learned so much about the Sea of Galilee just from these this tour, but it's incredible. I recommend it. Um, but the Sea of Galilee is really a giant freshwater lake. Like it's this incredible lake. And the interesting thing about the Sea of Galilee is that pretty much most of the things that Jesus did was all around this huge lake. So I'm watching this tour and I like, there's all these different ones. Like you can, you can view all these sermons he did around the lake and all these different things. And you go there and you see it, right? And so I'm like seeing all this and I'm like, I just didn't get it that every single thing Jesus did was around this lake. It's bizarre, right? Because why aren't you in Jerusalem? Why aren't you over there doing the stuff? But you're doing this around a lake, and you're getting your disciples, you're living, you're doing all these things. And I'm asking, why? Why did you do that? Right? So I'm watching more, I'm watching more. And um, lo and behold, I find out that the north shore of the Sea of Galilee is actually, at the time, and kind of still is, a huge, it's, it's called the Via Maris, which means the, the way of the sea. And it's a huge international highway that brings... Europe and Asia and Egypt and Africa together at that point. So Jesus was so strategic in being around that lake because every person that came by was going to take the message out, right? It was so strategic at the time, right? Um, this highway of holiness that Jesus was doing, right? And you can see like all the mountains where he, he preached. And I'm like imagining this because you, you've got to remember, like these were thousands of people following him. Like when he fed the folks, twice he fed everybody. And it was like 20,000 and 30,000 people. Like picture that. Okay. That's like the stadium of like a small college, like Texas State has a, a stadium of like 40,000, 30,000, right? A&M too big. But like just imagine a small stadium, a smaller stadium, and, and the thousands of people that are sitting around this lake listening to Jesus, 
right? That's a lot of people. And this is happening multiple times. It's not, not just like one, one time, a random event. We pray for one guy and he gets healed and we're like, hallelujah, like, thank God. But this guy, you know, Jesus, we're not really thinking like thousands of people. You're not thinking it. And then even like, like stories, like when he, um, he cast out the, the demon into the pigs, that was thousands of pigs, thousands, like someone's whole probably life savings just went over the hill. I've never even been around thousands of pigs. Like, where are they at? Like, I I don't know, but there's somewhere that they had thousands of pigs. Like it was like 2000 pigs. That's a lot of pigs. You, you gotta like, think of these things. You're like, okay, this is weird. And I'm getting to something. These things around the lake, these messages, these pigs, these healings, raise someone from the dead, all around the lake, the message is going out, right? Who's telling him to do that? How does he know to do it? There's no self-help message going on. There's no Billy Graham. There's no mentor around. His dad died. Mary is Mary somewhere. She's doing her. <laughs> he's, he's not like with her. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head, right? According to the tour, he probably lived with Peter in the little house. But... <laughs> Who is telling him to do this, right? Every day Jesus gets up and he's being coached by the father. Okay, so when you are actually trying this out, I encourage you to try this out, right? It, it looks different than you would imagine. Okay, I'm gonna give you some examples. Now, I asked the Lord, do I preach this message? And um, the, the answer was yes, and here's how I know. The first time I preached this message, it was more at a workshop-type setting. But the very week I preached the message, I had this scenario happen in my neighborhood. And then the second week, I, this is this week, right? I'm asking the Lord, do you want me to preach this message? And another scenario happened in my neighborhood. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, this is the right thing to be talking about. So Coached by the Father, if we bring it down, we're not around the Sea of Galilee and we're not Jesus, um, but we're, we're moving that direction, right? Um, so coached by the Father looks like this. Let me give you a little quick synopsis. Um, I was driving home one day, and this was maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago. It was in May. So I drove by my house and I saw a homeless man sitting on my street and he was sitting there. And so... Um, I didn't pay much attention to it other than that's not super normal. Um, It's kind of out of the normal. Um, And then the next morning I was um, doing a workout and I'm running around. There's a canal and a walking trail. So I'm I'm running around that and I see the man again. And he's kind of like waking up and I'm seeing him. And I heard the father say to me, um, you can uh, finish your workout or you can uh, tend to this man. And I was like, I, again, I was, are you going to let yourself be coached? So I was like, okay, okay. 
what do you want me to do? So I was like, uh, just start moving in that direction. I was like, okay. So I, I went into the house to get water for the man. And then I felt like the Lord, I was like, what else? And he's like, uh, go get bread and make a sandwich and take it out there. And, I, and this is the, just the way it works in your head, right? I go, well, what if he gets me? Well, what if he gets you? <laughs> He's limping, right? <laughs> He's not going to get me. Uh, so I, the Lord is just like, he's not going to get you. Will you just do this? <laughs> I'm like, okay. I've done homeless ministry like a lot. Like it's not an issue. But I was still having this dialogue, right? And this is part of what you got to do. You got to dialogue. So I go out there, and I just start walking straight up to him. I'm not, like, feeling it out or anything. I just go straight to the guy, and I say, hey, uh, can I help you out this morning? And I just gave him the bread and the water. And um, I said, do you mind if I pray for you? And I just prayed for him, and it, he just started to break down, and I could tell, I could feel the refreshing of the Lord just coming over him from the prayer. And that was it. That's all he wanted. Right? And I went back in and I was like, oh, okay. That was really pretty easy. I don't know what the problem was. <laughs> I could probably do that more. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just that. Right? That was me. That was little me, like weak girl over here. Can't hardly do nothing. Um, and I'm letting the father just coach me. Right? Okay, so here we go. Fast forward to this week, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know about this message. Is this what you wanted to talk about? So there had been a man again on my street, and um, it's been like a while, but uh, I've noticed that he has a either son or a nephew. It's his nephew. I've now found that is a special needs child. And every day, even in the heat, he's walking this child and um, making him ride it. He makes him ride his bike every now and then. And it's like a a 20-year-old, but he's special needs. And this man faithfully, like even in the middle of the day, is taking care of this child. Um, And so then, again, I'm working out in the morning, and uh, I see him over there. And I was not even thinking about it at all, not in my head at all. I wasn't even thinking about this message. I wasn't thinking about anything, not thinking. And I just felt the Lord, it's like he just moves you to walk in that direction. And you're like, what? Okay, fine. And so I I just go over there, and I'm like, "Uh, hi. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, I've seen you around the neighborhood. I said, "Um, you know, we live over there in that house, and uh, you always sit on the bench. And and it's not like I'm spying on you, but... uh, (laughs) I just <laughs> see you over there, and um, I just want to tell you, you know, um, I just want to honor you because I see you out there every day in the heat, and I said, just tell me about yourself, and he said, well, I haven't worked since COVID. Um, he said, actually, I'm going to start a job today, and he said, um, I said, well, I see your heart, you know. He was probably like, what? Um, but I said, the Lord really honors you. And I said, who is that? And I said, he said, it's my sister's son. And I said, well, you're, you're making an impact on him. You're loving him. You have such a big heart. And it's like, I could see his thoughts. He was thinking, why are you telling me this? I'm not that good of a person. 
And I just kept saying, the father loves you. Let me just pray for you. Do you mind? I just prayed for him. And I could just see the refreshing the father. And he said, I'm going to meet with the folks over at Brookhaven today because I'm thinking I might go back to school. And he's like 50-ish around there. And I was like, that's for you. I said, I'm just going to release grace to do hard things for you. And in that moment, I turned and I just kept on going down the road. And I just felt the Lord just say, you're letting me coach you. This is what you got to do. And I was like so kind of broken in that moment that it was like, it's really just not that hard. But yet you're still being pushed. And are you going to let yourself be pushed? And are you going to receive that coaching from him? You know, that's the thing. Like Jesus did, he went around that lake and he listened. And then the Lord told him what to do. The father told him what to do. You know, and that's what we got to do. That's number two. Um, And then number three is about true identity. And this is a a quick story. Um, But you'll see how it applies to you. It says, number three is, are you allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to fully operate in your true identity? Um, Well, this is a personal story. So I um, grew up in a home where um, my dad was a college football coach. So we did a lot of moving when I was young because that's kind of how college football coaching is. And then um, when we got here to Texas, my dad started coaching high school, right? So I had this coach. My, my dad's also a veteran, right? So a Vietnam vet. And so you can imagine the, the guy, right? Um, he's a pretty intense person, but he's also very loving, right? And so at the time, I uh, grew up, you know, and he's coaching all these folks. And I would be at the things, bigger, faster, stronger camp, like I'm at it. Then I ran it, then, you know, all that. And so, um, but here's the thing. When I was young, I was in dance. I was a dancer. I was in ballet, jazz, tap, all the things. You never picture it, modern, (laughs) right? Okay, but I loved it, right? I loved dance, right? And the Lord is so faithful. He would always put these folks in my life. He knows me. He knows I'm an intense person and I need intense people around me to get me to do anything. Um, So he had this lady that was my teacher and she was like a a prima Dallas ballerina, like from the Dallas ballet. Like she was this little human being and always had the bun and just beautiful. Like how every little girl imagines what back in the nineties or the eighties, 70, I was born in 78. So like in the eighties, there was those music boxes and you open them and that ballerina danced around. You remember Right. And so I, I saw that and I, I was like, I want to be like that. I want to be like this teacher, Miss Amy. She's amazing. Right. Um, so I did this dance all the way to eighth grade. Right. And by um, seventh and eighth grade, it was this dance company where you're going to be like awesome. You're going to travel around all these shows and you do these things. It's going to be amazing. Right. Um, the problem was I really wasn't a dancer. I was good, right? But my dad was a coach. I think I started my first sport at like 11, which is real rare in the sporting world. Like if you're a great athlete, you you start when you're like three or four, especially soccer. I ended up playing college soccer. 
I started playing soccer when I was like 11, which is like really rare, right? Everyone's already good by 11. So here I am in this, in this um, family with this amazing coach. My dad's a great coach. He's an amazing quarterback coach. Um, he still coaches. And so I have this coach for a dad, but the whole time I would never let him coach me. I didn't want him to coach me. In middle school, I was embarrassed because the boys would say, does your dad make you do push-ups at night? I'd be like, no, <laughs> I'm in dance. <laughs> Um, it was ridiculous. Um, and so really for a lot of years, I was really orphaned in my own home. Painful to watch. I remember a specific incident when I think I was a fifth grader and my dad was coaching. Um, he goes track too, like everybody. And my dad is an amazing um, advocate for women in sports. Like he's, he's that guy, like, like all our guys, like he pushes women up, right? He's that person. And so, um, he had this amazing athlete on his track team and she wasn't really a track star, but she's extremely fast. And, but what she was, was a soccer star. She was amazing. Um, full ride to A&M professional soccer, all that. She was about three or four years ahead of me in school. Well, her mother went to my dad and said, um, why don't you get your daughter to go try out for Longhorn Soccer Club? And I'm like a fifth grader, so I'm like mm, 11. And I remember my dad coming home and saying, hey, what if you did this? We could go do this. And, and I was like, no, dad, I don't want to do that. And deep down, I was scared. I was already playing soccer at the time. And my dad was seeing my athletic ability and seeing what I could become, but I didn't care about that. It didn't matter that he was an amazing coach and like knew exactly who I was. I didn't care. I didn't want to do that. And I was scared. I didn't want him to coach me. I didn't want him to tell me who I was. Right? It took me a long time. And I stayed painfully immature. I could have started playing then. I think back, I mean, you start playing club soccer at 10, back, back in the 90s. That's when you started playing. But I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And the, re the rest is history. You know I eventually figured it out. I mean, I went to play college soccer and then coached and did all that stuff. But I didn't want to have anything to do with what he was telling me. I wanted to coach myself. I wanted to tell him who I was. And guys, that is the Laodicean spirit. The Laodicean spirit wants to do the works of God with no fellowship with God. We don't want fellowship with our dad, but we want to do the works. Let me go be a ballerina over here that has nothing to do with anything that I am. I'm not paying attention. I'm not connecting the dots. I'm not looking at my family. I'm not even looking at my body shape. Come on. I'm not that flexible. I mean, to be a ballerina, you need to be like a size zero with like your feet up to here, you know? Like, I mean, let's be serious. Some of us are walking around like that. That's the Laodicean church. 
because of the wealth and because of the self-confidence, right? We think that we're going to coach ourselves into something. That's just not going to happen, folks, right? Revelation 3.20, come sit at this table. This is a table of confrontation. It confronts self-reliance and says, here, why don't you exchange your identity and your self-reliance for what I want to give you? Because your stuff will never move you anyone at the end of the age, right? So that place of confrontation where we exchange like our nonsense with him and his fellowship so we can find out who we are, right? That's true identity, okay? And then let's, let's talk about, here's the deal. This exchange will create fire in you. Jamie prayed for fire. When you exchange self-reliance for the Father's love, it's gonna create fire. Why? Because now you have no self-reliance. You're like, I better get to the prayer room. I don't know what I'm doing. Right? You need the Father's coaching to do the next thing. If you're gonna coach yourself, then you don't need him. But if you let him coach you, then you need to get to the prayer room. You need to get on your face. You need to find out, you need to... Think about him and ask him, what, what are you going to do next? Yeah. Right? Okay, so let's talk about practically. How do we get to John 17? I'm going to do this in like two minutes. Number one, through Jesus, he's the way. Right? His commandments. And he unveils what the Father's like throughout the Gospels. So whatever he did, then you do that. Right? And then number two is dialoguing. Well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like dialoguing. It looks like talking to him. Dialoguing, what are we going to do next? What, what's, what, you know, what? Internal and audible. You have an internal dialogue, and then you have an audible dialogue. All the time. Right? Meditation. Okay, you can pray his word back to him, the things that he said. Like, like today, we were singing um, Psalm 27.4, one thing, right? And we, we sang that, and in my heart, I was like, Lord, let my heart believe this. One thing I've desired, one thing I'll seek. Do I believe that? I don't know. Help me to help me, right? You pray that back. Give me that one thing. Right? You open this up and you pray this back and you say, give me that thing. Right? That's dialogue with the Father. That's, that's doing it. Right? That's John 17, becoming one. Right? If you have a problem, you ask for the solutions. That's a learned skill, asking for help. Sometimes you think it. Thinking help does not mean you asked. <laughs> right? Uh, interestingly, as it may seem in a prophetic community, somehow everyone thinks you can read their mind. That's just not true. Can't read your mind. You have to say what you need. You have to ask for help, right? The father wants you to ask for help, right? If you ask for help, he'll give you blueprints. He'll give you solutions. He'll give you things you never thought of. Things that may have been in a different context, but now they're now. And that they will work now. 
right? Because he tells you. And then um, gazing on, on beauty, right? Go to those throne room scriptures. Daniel, Ezekiel, Revelation. Meditate on the throne. Meditate on where you originated. And like, think about it, right? And then ministering to him. When you go from worship to feel good, to ministry to God, that takes you a whole nother level. That's taking you into the priesthood. Ministry to God. They were ministering to him with those sacrifices, with that incense, right? Ministry to God is a different kind of worship. It's where you're like, I want you to feel good. It's not about me feeling good. The best thing I can think of to describe ministry to God, or maybe he gave me this, is like, you know how like you love to get a massage. You love it. It feels great. But if someone says, will you massage me? It's like, I kind of do, but I don't. (laughs) You're like, okay, can we set a timer? Because this seems like it's taking a long time. (laughs) But when I picture ministry to God, like, I know this is probably like ridiculous, but like, I picture like, Okay, I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna give him that massage. He's gonna feel great. This is gonna be amazing. He's gonna be like, wow, that was amazing. Right? Like you're you're giving him something. He wants to be ministered to by you, and that's fellowship with the Father. Right? Okay, so let's stand. If you can, um, Jed, maybe you can play some music for us. Um, but we're going to ask our prayer team to come up if you want prayer. Um, but this is one of those things again, that, uh, is going to come by revelation. You know, it's going to come to you this week. It's going to be, it's going to come to you when you read John 14. It's going to come to you when you read John 17. It's going to come to you when you fellowship with the Lord, when you begin to dialogue with him. When you begin to agree with him that this is who he is, that this is your story, this is a story you want to take ownership of, right? You can't reject the storyline and think that you're going to feel it on the inside. You're not going to feel anything on the inside and you're not going to feel that strong love if you reject the storyline, right? He laid out the storyline for the disciples so that they could receive the storyline. Like this is what's happening. Right? When you read the book and you read the end of the story, we're in this, guys. We're in it. This is, this is our context. This is our day. The witnesses are cheering us on. You can't reject the story of your family and think that you will feel family. You have to receive the whole story. Your story, your part. And when you say, yes, like, I want this storyline. I want to agree with this. I want my inheritance in you, God. Then you're going to begin to feel the father. You're going to begin to feel family. You're going to feel this expression in the earth that he really is marking you as a son and a daughter. But I'm just going to ask the Lord right now, You need a picture. I'm going to ask for a million pictures and a million memories. 
million memories, God. What I'm seeing right now is just this giant photo album of your life that reveal the Father. I want a million memories. You have a memory with him where he showed you who he was. There's a million memories. There's a million pictures of him. God, we're asking for a prophetic picture, God. We want to know our father. We want to know who we are. We want to know where we came from. We want to be coached by you, challenged by you. We want to be limitless. We want to soar with you. We want to back up against your strong love and know that there is no breaking you. It's the promise of the Father. Just wait in it for a second. Lord, would you give every person a picture? Their picture. Their memory. Their moment. That place in your heart, God. our prayer team to go ahead and come up. Should everybody else kind of stay in it? Because I want to invite people to get prayer that are really, it's the desire of your heart for John 17, for that oneness with the Father to be something that you feel, something you experience, something that is real to you. If you are wanting that, if that's something you want, I want you to be first up here. It's a day of equipping you with this. I want you to be equipped. If that's you, if you're like, Lord, I'm really desiring this. Our folks that are praying, they will ask the Lord and agree with you for grace to experience it. And then, Obviously, if you have, if you're pain in your body, if you need prayer for that, just come on up after that. But if you, if that's you, just go ahead and make your way up here. If you want more of this, this from the Lord, from the Father, if you want to experience this, just come come on up. Prayer for that. If you're you're hurting in your body, just come on up. And then for those that are here, I just bless you in Jesus' name. 
Lord, just release your encouragement as they go today, your blessing as they go today. And just your amen on this word today. Amen.